This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sport Pens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great show for you. Before we welcome our guest, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. Now, this helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents right here on the WVSA Digital Network. With us today is Shea Haddow, mental performance coach and owner of Alpha Girl Confidence. Shay, welcome to the program. Hey, Marcus. Thanks. Happy to be here. Well, we're excited to have you because today we're going to be talking about the mental aspect uh, when it comes to our youth soccer players here in the state. Um, before we d- jump right into our subject, Shay, why don't you go ahead and just give us a brief background about your experience and your qualifications? Yes, I grew up playing soccer and basketball at a young age. Um, I went on to play Division One soccer at Virginia Commonwealth University, and then I transferred over to my hometown of Utah State. I graduated with my exercise science degree and then also got a master's in physical and sport education. And then I kind of moved on to working on after coaching for a while. I moved more into the mental and confidence side of things because as a youth player, it was something I really struggled with. And as I was coaching, it was something that I saw a lot of other girls struggling with as well. Yeah, I think it's a real important point, And that's the reason why we wanted to have you on the podcast today is the mental aspect. And I think it's something that kind of goes hand in hand with the skills and with the uh, off-field nutrition and, and, and strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. It's just another component that our youth athletes need to be aware of and be able to, you know, for us to provide some tools for them to deal with some of the mental aspects of the game so that if they're interested in, in competing at a higher level, whether it be to go on to college, whether it be go on to a professional or semi-pro or whatever it is, they have those tools available to them. So why don't we go ahead and dive right into things. Uh, you have a very interesting statistic on your website. It says 32% of all girls that quit sports do so because they lack self-confidence. So why don't we jump right in there and discuss with us the things that female youth soccer players struggle with, like the fear of failure or making mistakes in front of their uh, teammates. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so definitely fear of failure and fear of making mistakes is the biggest thing, but I think it even goes deeper than that, and that is that so many youth, especially female soccer players, have a fear of how they'll be judged and perceived by other players. So a lot of the time they are scared to make mistakes and scared to mess up and fail because of how they'll be perceived by whether it's coaches, teammates, parents. So it's a lot of kind of the the social pressures um, that go along with those fears. And it's that judgment. Yeah, you, you hit it, nail, uh, nailed yeah. it right on there. The, the judgment of, of others and what they'll perceive that person, you know, whether it be from a social aspect, whether it be from a skill aspect or, or any of that. Uh, you know, a lot of our uh, female players uh, are so hard on themselves, whether it's their body mm-hmm. image, whether it's their social image, or even their performance on the field. Why are, why are females that way? You know what? If I had a, a direct answer, um, I would love to tell you. But I think it's I think it's really just unique to everyone. But I think in general, um, society has taught girls and women that we need to be liked 
by everybody. But the thing is, is there's 7 billion people in the world and there's no way that everyone can possibly like in. But I think that's where this pressure comes in that girls need to be liked, girls need to be um, well, you know, feel like they belong. And I think that's where a lot of the pressure comes in. And it's like, if I mess up, if I make a mistake, how are they going to think of me? And if they don't think of me the way I want them to think of me, then I'm not going to belong. So I really think it goes really down deep into like kind of the, the beliefs and kind of patterns that society has, has taught our youth female athletes. It's weird that that dynamic is there um, just because, and, and I have this story that I share with a number of people when the situation arises, is that, you know, you can have a coach that would be, you know, uh, scolding a team at halftime in the locker room. And <laughs> if it's a female team and the coach is scolding uh, the team, every single player in there is thinking she, you know, he or she's talking about me. Then if you, if, <laughs> yeah, you, if you yeah. were to, if you were to have the same exact coach give the same exact halftime speech a scolding to a team full of male players, the male players are thinking to themselves, oh, they're talking about Johnny or they're talking about Tommy. They're not yes. talking about me. <laughs> it's an amazing dynamic of of that. And, and yeah, I think you nail it on the head of, you know, society has taught, uh, taught uh, females to, you know, kind of be nice and, and, and belong and uh, that kind of thing and, and sort of discourages uh, female players to compete. I mean, I love an atmosphere yes, when, when, when female players can compete because, you know, can it bring a little bit of, of struggle? Absolutely. But I think it brings out so much, so much positive things. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is they, There's obviously a big difference between competition and comparison. And competition is healthy. Like, I'm all for it. I'm very competitive myself, and I encourage my players to be competitive. But then there's the other side of it, which I think sometimes the competition can lead to comparison. Um, but here's the thing. What, what I really think is can separate the two is if a player is confident, then it's easy for them to compete without comparing. But if a player isn't confident, and it can be really easy for them to get into comparison mode as they're competing. So that's another big reason why, like, the more confident we are, the easier it is for for us as coaches to get our players to really compete with each other in a healthy way. Now let's go ahead into a situation where, say, a player makes a mistake on the field. Um, if you know, Talk to us a little bit about, you know, if they have the confidence or if they don't have the confidence, where, where should that mind shift immediately go? Because I know in I've coached for a number of years, immediately if a player makes a mistake, nine times out of ten, the head goes down. They, they, start, yeah. they start dwelling on that. Talk to us about where that mind shift needs to immediately go as soon as we make that mistake. Well, to put it very simply, it needs to focus on the present because the reason why the head goes down and they start dwelling on the mistake is they're thinking about what already happened in the past. So they're either thinking about the past or they're worried about what's going to happen in the future. So it's really like getting back in the moment. But like you said, a few kind of, um, you know, things that I and strategies that I try to teach my girls is like first thing is be aware of your body language. So as soon as you catch your head going down, boom, pick that head up. Another thing is some sort of kind of physical trigger to reset the mind. So for example, something that I did when I was a player is whenever I made a mistake, I would bend down, I would pick up the grass and I would throw the grass. So that was my way of like, okay, we made the mistake. Now let's like throw out the mistake. 
Um, there's also been, I think it was a, a football player in the NFL who his way of getting rid of those mistakes was to pretend like he was flushing a toilet as to flush his mistakes down the toilet. So that may seem kind of strange, but doing some sort of physical reset or maybe it's just shaking out your hands to like get that mistake, get that energy out of you and then really just focusing on the moment. Um, another thing could be as simple as taking a deep breath, could be saying like an affirmation to really get you focused in on like what's going on right now instead of like what happened in the past. Now with, with a player, can, what is your, what is your thought on this? I've always had the philosophy that as a player, when you make a mistake, make a bad decision, that you take that mistake or you take that bad decision, you put it in a little compartment and you put it over here Mm -hmm. and we'll deal with it later. You know, and, and some people confuse that in thinking, well, you're just ignoring what's going on. It's like, no, let's, we're not going to ignore it, but we're just going to put it over here for now and not deal with it. We can deal with it at halftime. We can deal with it after the match and then we can figure out what went wrong, how we can correct it and make a better decision next time. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's like just, it's not ignoring it because then you can't ever learn from it, but, but it's being aware of it. But it's, if you're trying to fix it in, in inside of the game, then you're not really going to be totally focused in on, you know, the next play. And so that's why it's important whether it's halftime to fix it or I like to teach my girls to have sort of a post game routine so that they are able to kind of journal on you know, what went well, what didn't go well, what can I do better next time? And really, really what it comes down to is most of the time players are only focusing on the negative. So part of that post game is, yes, figuring out what can I do better, but also what went well and what, like, am I really proud of myself for? So that's a good way to be able to kind of shelf those mistakes so that you can work on them later instead of, like, trying to come up with a solution right in the moment. Because you're making 80 million thousand decisions, especially in soccer when you're out there, you know, because, you know, there is no timeouts, uh, you know, there's no Mm -hmm. pauses in action. Um, It's it's quick and and you can't deal with that trying to figure out what went wrong at that moment because you're trying to plan for what's going to happen next during the match. Now, if um, if there's a situation where a player is playing poorly they have a bad first touch. They're feeling sluggish and slow. Um, they just, in their mind, think that they can't do anything correct. What should a player do to get some quick confidence back into their performance? Definitely focus on what you can control. So I don't care if you have the worst touch, if, if your passes are off, if your shots are off, if you can't seem to connect one single pass, you can control your work ethic you can control your attitude and you can't control your communication. So really focusing on those three things. Like I remember having games where it was just horrible. Like I was playing probably the worst game of my life, but you know what, if I can just go out and make a couple of tackles or go win an air ball or do something that I can control, like then I know that I can be proud of myself or contributing to my team and focusing on that. So just realize that it's totally normal. The best players in the world have off games. But that doesn't mean that you don't have control over those little things. So it's really putting your focus and your energy back into the things that you can't control and just doing those things really well. I had a coach, a mentor of mine who used to tell me all the time and give me advice uh, in, in coaching. And he said, when you have a player that's dealing with that and they come off and they say, I can't, I can't 
my first touch is horrible. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, what can you do? What can you do for the team? Yeah. You know, can you, can you win us the ball next time? Can you win us a throw in? Can you do this? Can you do that? You know, and, and think about that. And just even if you have to get really remedial in regards to your mm-hmm. performance, just find one thing and focus on that yeah. for a little while until you start going, all right, my, you know, my passes are looking good. Okay. Now let's see if we can build upon that. Yeah. And that's something really important to, to think about, like right when the game starts, a lot of players, like they come out nervous or they come out and they're, they're kind of scared to really get stuck in. It's like, like see if like right when the game starts, if you can just go like win one tackle or really get stuck in and win one air ball, or do something to really start like building that confidence of like, oh, you know what, like I'm going to be involved in this game. And then from there, it's a lot easier to have confidence throughout the game. It's amazing what happens when you get that first touch on the ball as early as you can in a match or the start of a half. It's amazing what you can do once you get that. Because if you're just, you know, running around trying to get involved and you're not successful at Uh it, it could really wane on that confidence. Now, let's build upon that just a little bit. Can you give us a couple of more tips uh, for our players on getting themselves mentally ready for training or competition? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that I love talking about because far too often we only focus on, you know, preparing physically, warming up physically, but we don't think about the mental preparation, which is extremely important. So a couple things that um, I, I'll give kind of three, three tips here that I like to um, give players as it relates to mental preparation. And the first one is to, I call them positive what if. So a lot of the time, when a player's thinking about the game, they're thinking, what if I make a mistake? What if I don't start? What if I, you know, get beat? And it's all of these negative, like, oh, no, what if this happens kind of thing. So what this is, is instead of thinking the negative what if, we just think the positive what if. So get out a notebook and write, what if I score a goal? What if I make a good pass? What if I am a starter? What if I have the best game ever? Like, just thinking about all of the good things that could possibly happen. And that's just so awesome because it can totally shift your energy from like nerves and negativity to like this excitement and more of like what's possible. So that's one thing. And then another thing, and you can do like all three of these, you can choose one of them. Um, But another thing which has made the biggest impact in my life as an athlete is visualization. So that's the one thing that I use that completely transformed how I felt before I played, but also transformed how I actually played. Like it gets rid of nerves, it gets your body and your mind kind of in the right state before you play, you know, you know, spending, it doesn't have to be, you know, 15, 20 minutes, it can be five minutes of you just going through what you want to happen in, in your head, um, going through how you want to feel in your game, going through how you're going to respond to mistakes and all that kind of stuff. And then the third one that I would say is coming up with pregame intentions. So these are, you know, we, we think of goals a lot and how I like to differentiate between goals and intentions is that goals is more outcome-based, more things that you can't control, whereas an intention is something that you have full control over. So instead of saying, I, I have a goal to go score two goals today, well, you don't really have control, complete control over that. Instead, come up with an intention. So maybe it's I'm going to step onto the field and get stuck in immediately, or I'm going to play with confidence today. Or it could be a simple intention such as, I'm going to go out there and have fun today. Like just something to really narrow in your focus and focus on those things that you really do have control over, kind of like we were talking about earlier. 
Those are some great pieces of advice. We're talking with Shay Haddow, uh, mental performance coach, owner of Alpha Girl Confidence. Uh, as we kind of roll into our last question here on the podcast, Shay, if a and and this is geared towards our female players, um, you know, going back to you know, we, g- girls need to be nice. Uh, they need to. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. be just be pleasant all the time and that kind of thing. If a female player wants to be a leader on her team, but she is concerned about mm-hmm. others thinking that she's too bossy or she's being witchy or whatever word you want to use, mm-hmm. what advice would you give that player? Oh, I love this question because it's so often that girls are like, oh, I want to be a leader or I don't want to speak up because I don't want to be seen as bossy because when girls stand up for themselves as bossy right? When boys stand up for themselves, they're a leader. So that's a whole nother conversation. Um, But for girls, a few things that I say is like, the best way for you to really step up as a leader is to do it by example. So you don't have to be the loudest, you don't have to be the most outgoing, you don't have to be like someone that's always talking. But if you just lead by example, you're out there, you're working your hardest. When you do start to speak up, People are not going to think that you're bossy if you're putting in the work. Now, on the other hand, if you're telling other people what to do, but you're not really putting in the work and you're telling people to do something that you're not willing to do, then they may perceive you as bossy or witchy or whatever you want to call it. The first thing is really like leading by example, putting in the work. And the other thing is if you want to be a great leader, you have to also be the best listener. So don't just feel like you have to be speaking all the time and coming up with the ideas but can you be really open to receiving things can you be someone that lets other people's voices be heard so one specific example that you can use is as a leader can you you know maybe create a team experience so maybe you all go out to dinner or maybe you just have a players only meeting where everyone gets to talk about how they're feeling and like stuff like that so that's one kind of tangible thing that you can do that doesn't require like this you know big scary thing but just that you can do that really gets everyone on the same page and kind of you know establish yourself as a leader sort of thing what do you think of of someone who um is a person that helps others achieve their goals or directives i mean that's that's the ultimate leader right it's 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 kind of having this this form of selflessness where the things you do yes they're for you but toward the betterment of the team and that's what i think what difference differentiates a true leader versus a fake leader shall we say is a true leader is someone that does the work and everything they does is for the betterment of the team versus a fake leader is someone that just does it for their own ego for them to look good so yeah that's a huge part of it is like can you yes make help yourself to play better but what can you do to help your teammates play better. And the harder you work, yes, the better you'll get, but also the better your teammates will get as well. That's great advice. Shay, thank you so much. Uh, before we go, why don't you uh, tell folks where they can find you online, your website, and your social media? Yeah, so my website is alphagirlconfidence.com. There you can find my podcast as well, which is the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast. And then social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shay Haddo. Talk to us a little bit about the podcast. Yeah, so I, I started it, um, you know, about two, three years ago, and it's mainly directed at female players um, where I, I, I go into kind of 
you know, all things mental, social, um, emotional kind of stuff that relates to not just on the field, but how to be confident and happy off the field as well. And then we also have, you know, I have podcasts that are aimed at coaches and parents too. So really great for, for kind of the whole family to listen to. Awesome. Shay Haddow, mental performance coach, owner of Alpha Girl Confidence. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Marcus. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program here on the WVSA Digital Network. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network or find us on our social media platforms at WV Soccer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.